With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tennis.com podcast, Inside the Tour. I'm Nina Pantic, joined by Irina Falcone. Hey, guys. How's it going? And we just wrapped the French Open. So we've done a few podcasts focused just on the two of us talking about the French Open. We may as well do one more to wrap things up. To no one's surprise, Rafa Nadal won his 12th Roland Garros title, his 18th Grand Slam overall. I mean, Irina, you're not surprised. Can you think of someone being able to consecutively win the toughest slam on, I'm considering clay, the toughest surface, 12 times just unheard of. He really is truly the king of clay. He was the king of clay six slam, six French Opens ago, and he still is today. He's reigning champ, and I don't think that there's ever going to be anyone in history that can surpass him. That point you made about it being the toughest slam, people hate it when analysts and commentators say that, but I am on your side. I think it is the toughest. Clay is brutal, and to play best of five, not that he played any five setters, also of note, um, best of clay, best of five on clay is brutal. And yeah, I think it's the toughest. I agree with you. I understand why some people are a little bit against it, because if you think about it on the body, technically hardcore is probably going to be the toughest on your entire body. There's a reason why Rafa happens to miss a lot of hardcore tournaments, just because his it's so hard on his body. I understand for some people, clay is considered actually the nicest surface for the body, but I consider it just the toughest surface for the sport. Exactly, exactly. It's supposed to be softer in your joints and softer on, I mean, your knees and all that, but it's tougher to win a match. It makes it all the more unbelievable. And speaking of unbelievable, Nadal is Nadal is not the biggest fan of press. I get a sense when I'm in these press conferences with him that he's a little bit over it. We kind of always ask the same questions. He always gets the same answers. Everything is tough. You know, the exponent's tough. It's a tough match. I got to play my best. But in this case, after he won his Grand Slam title number 18, he was, of course, asked almost honestly right away. The, the, the journalist asked him about Roger Federer's 20 slams and how Nadal is at number 18, two away. I mean, that is a very small gap. And Rafa's response was like, I don't complain too much about anything. I don't really think about it. Um, I'm going to catch Roger or not, because honestly, I'm not worried about this stuff. And he goes, you, can be, you can't be frustrated all the time because the neighbor has a bigger house than you or a bigger TV or a better garden. That's not the way I, that I see life. If I'm able to win a couple more Grand Slams and be closer to Roger, will be unbelievable. If not, for me, still unbelievable. I mean, I'm not going to mock his accent. I'm not, I'm not a good Spanish accent. But he says unbelievable a lot. And in this case, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do me. And I'm going to focus on my unbelievable career. And if I catch him, I catch him. If I don't, I don't. Something about his response just really struck me because you kind of expect him to be obsessed. And he's not. I actually will agree with you in some sense. But he is obsessed. 
I, I don't agree with you in that sense because if he were not obsessed, he wouldn't be putting his body and his entire life, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing if he wasn't obsessed with winning. I mean, you can't tell me that Roger is not seeking more slams. You can't tell me that Novak is not obsessed with seeking the, uh, more slams just because he's not exactly excited about it in press. Two days after he was done with press, I wouldn't be surprised after his Grand Slam win, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already on the grass court getting ready for Wimbledon. I'm honestly, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. That was one of the things. There's so many players out there, you know, after a slam, you take maybe a week, you take a couple days. But Rafa, you wouldn't be surprised if he's just out there a couple days after winning a Grand Slam, out there getting ready for the next surface. He's going to take that little break in Mallorca to go on his yacht, though. He always does that. As one does. <laughs> That's one way to celebrate I mean, your yeah. birthday and your 18th Grand Slam. No, you make a good point. I mean, he's he's super humble. He's super nice. And I think he always comes off that way in press, especially. So you make a good point. I mean, he wouldn't be doing all this if he wasn't trying to, to win more Grand Slams. That's the whole kind of point of this. And maybe get back to number one. But surprisingly, Novak Djokovic is almost 5,000 points ahead of him. It's kind of... Ridiculous, honestly. Unbelievable to say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 5,000 points. I mean, that's almost three slams worth of being ahead of Rafa. But, I mean, he's got some points to defend for the next year, pretty much. So I would not be at all surprised. I mean, it takes a couple wins here and there, a couple losses by Novak, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see Rafa at number one in the world at some point this year. At the end of the year, yeah, it seems it seems feasible, especially because Novak has to defend. And, and I mean, Novak had a good run in, in Paris, I think. But let's also mention the women's champion, Ash Barty. She beat Marketa Vondrusova, kind of dismantled her. I'm not surprised that she destroyed her in the final. I think Marketa was, was at a big, big stage for like such a young player, kind of really shocking to find her in a final. I'm not shocked that Barty won a slam. I'm shocked it's on Clay because she kind of talks about how much she doesn't really like Clay. But it suits her game. I mean, she was still coming to the net. She was hitting all those slices. Um, her serve is surprisingly strong for someone who's not that tall. Um, and then I thought her win over Amanda Anisimova was showing her mental toughness because she was down a set in 3-0, and Amanda was literally running running away with the match, and instead Barty wins 3-3. Three and three. Are you shocked to see Barty raising a Grand Slam trophy or not? No, not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there just because she is so talented. I mean, to be able to retire from tennis, go play another different sport, succeed at that, come back and win a slam just a couple years later after coming back. I mean, it's, it's truly remarkable in so many senses and it couldn't happen to a nicer person. I mean, she is so humble. She's so sweet and, uh, she's just so talented on the court. Um, I really appreciate her game. It it kind of inspires me. Just, I've seen her play and we've played against each other. And there's been some times where I'm just like, watching back like videos of some of our points and I'm just like holy cow I mean that's just some great tennis and she's just so crafty she is able to manipulate the ball so well like she holds something for fans that are listening you will notice next time after I say this you will notice this next time you watch Ashley Barty play she is able to hold the ball on her racket on her forehand so well that you have absolutely no idea what she's going to do with it in this in the quarterfinals when Madison played against Ashley Ashley Barty. I mean, Madison has a phenomenal kick serve and Ashley was able to just straight up cut the angle off and hit a chip 
a, a little slice angle low to the ground to Madison's backhand. And I mean, that's a very, very tough shot to hit and hit it well. You have to hit it so well. And then she's so good to pass. She's so good at the net. I mean, you have to be on top of your game to be able to beat Ashley Barty. So not at all surprised that she won it. I mean, it's it's anybody's game, I think, in the women's tour. Everybody's so good. So I'm just happy for her. She just played incredibly well for two weeks. You summed it up perfectly. I mean, she is one of the nicest people out there with one of the most craftiest artistic games you could ever watch. And it just struck me how tough she was mentally because it was also her first time in a Grand Slam semi and a Grand Slam final. And she rose to the occasion and, and then some. When she's When she's in press and when she's talking about how she's getting here. She cracked the top 10. She'll be number two. She's number two in the world right now. Number two. She always says, we, we worked hard. We did this. We worked on this. We came here with this plan. And it's kind of interesting to hear her use the term we. No one else really does that. Part of it may be that hiatus to go play cricket. Part of it may be just be the way she was raised. I mean, she believes in having, that, that, that it is a team effort. And it absolutely is. And I kind of love that about her. That humble, really nice person just comes out both on court, after court, on court interviews, in the press, I mean, all the time. It's it's going to be fun to watch her. Hopefully she gets number one this year. I think there's a good chance of it. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. She's, she really is just a phenomenal person. I love the way she talks to the press. I mean, she's a true Aussie. I mean, there's never been anything bad said about her. She's just so sweet to be around. So looking ahead, the grass season has actually already began, which is absolutely insane because it only lasts about, I don't know, five weeks or so, if even, and the the switch has already happened, I mean, in overnight. So I personally am not a big fan of grass. I think the grass court season is fun. I think it's interesting to watch. I hate when the grass turns from beautiful to all messed up and dirty and sandy and gross in terms of aesthetics, um, I'll say it. Um, I hate how the matches are quick, but the serve really dominates. Everything kind of ends so quickly. But then there's the serve and volley aspect, which is which is cool. But I also don't like that. I don't like playing on it. I'll admit, I don't like playing on grass. I've only played on grass a few times in my life. Maybe, I don't know, three times. So it's not much. I'm not the best source for this. But I think the jumps and the bounces are crazy. It really evens the match out, almost as if you have a really windy day or a really tough surface because I don't know where the ball is going to bounce. I don't know where it's going to kick up, where it's going to slide. I mean, I just find it to be a bit chaotic. Um, I know a lot of players absolutely love it. I know, Irina, you do. So convince me. I absolutely love it. And I think that one of the reasons why I love it is because I have a bit of a height differential with you. Um, the ball stays low, a.k.a. because of my center of gravity, I am low to the ground. So that ball is in my strike zone almost every time. You're not going to see a lot of grinding on grass courts. And so when the ball is low, I, I it's just a field day for me. I absolutely love it. Uh, Nottingham is happening right now, which is a WTA tournament. And last year I came from Qualies, made quarters. So I, anytime you, you mention grass, I'm all about it. Um, really sad to be missing it this year. But Wimbledon, I mean, could you be more prestigious? Is there any tournament that is more prestigious in the tennis world? I mean, you really can't think of a court, center court at Wimbledon. I mean, that's the dream, court one at Wimbledon. And I've played both of those. And whenever I think back of my time playing at Wimbledon, I always go back to when I played Kerber, uh, Angelique Kerber, and we were playing center court. And the day before the match, I was actually asked if I wanted to do the rehearsal walk 
of what I was going to be doing the following day. And then sure enough, we did the walk. And then the following day, the matches, you know, are called. And we were called uh, about 10 minutes before we were actually going to go on the court. And sure enough, the moment the clock struck 1 p.m., we started walking out. I mean, you couldn't be more precise to the second. And uh, it was pretty incredible to play there. All right, you can't you cannot compete with center court at Wimbledon. You've made a you made a clean argument here. You've really trumped my card because I was thinking I'm thinking more of a perspective of you know a, a random rec player or you know a lower level player. Obviously, Wimbledon is I mean the peak of 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 professional tennis, and the fact that you got to play there is is badass. But yeah, I just I, from my perspective, I just find it so tough to play on. Maybe because I'm five, six inches taller than you, but maybe because I'm also just nowhere near that level. But just I find it a struggle. And, you know, watching the first few days at Wimbledon, it's just so pretty and perfect. I just want to stay that way. I do. I want them to replant the grass halfway through. I will say that there's been a few grass court tournaments where the 